Charmed Life, a radio show discussing spirituality, magic, and the unconditional love of the universe. Thanks for tuning in. And I am your host, Trisha Carr. I'm so pleased to be here with you today. It is December 2018. I'm super excited for the end of this year and for the beginning of the next. I love really paying attention to the calendar. You know, we are conditioned to it. And at the same time, it was an intuitive work, the way that this calendar was set up. It really, really was. And so I think it can be a real blessing to pay attention to it in the way that we pay attention to the seasons of the stars and the seasons of the earth. And so I'm really excited to be here with you guys at the beginning of December 2018. And welcome to the show if it is your first time. We are live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can catch it on any of my uh, social media outlets. So by searching for at Trisha Car Charm on Twitter, I actually have two handles at Trisha Car Charm and at Charmed Life 1111. And I'm actually very soon, maybe next episode, I will be going up live on YouTube as well. So you could go to the YouTube channel, which is Trisha Car, excuse me, um, youtube.com slash Trisha Car. On my YouTube channel, I actually post other things in addition to this program. So I would love it if you would subscribe, like, share, comment. Uh, review the podcast on iTunes. That's super helpful to me. And I have so much on my heart that I want to share with you today. And before I do, I want to tell you about a couple of things, a couple of announcements. First of all, I am doing a class in partnership with the Lightworkers Lab. If you are not new to this program, then you've heard me talk about the Lightworkers Lab and you're probably possibly probably in the Lightworkers Lab. This is an online community hosted on Facebook. It's founded by my dear friend and um, collaborator, Crystal Ann Compton. She is a spiritual teacher and intuitive channel. So you can find the Lightworkers Lab by searching for it on Facebook, and it'll come up as a group. It's a community where there is tons and tons of resources for your spiritual development and expression and an amazing fellowship. So do go check out the Lightworkers Lab. And as I was saying, I'm teaching a class in partnership with the lab, and it is manifesting with magic. And so this is a class to help you to enhance your spiritual toolbox for connection, alignment, and manifestation. Now, this toolbox that I, of which I speak, this is really the way that we have other systems set up in our lives, whether it's formalized education or the chores that we do in our home, the different ways that we structure our life. This is actually a, a story that we are organizing for ourselves. And in order to shift your life from the inside out, rituals and tools as such that I'm speaking are very, very helpful. Now, this isn't like the Harry Potter kind of expelliarante or whatever. I don't know what those words they say are. It's really a, an inner working process that directs your frequency onto and impresses it upon the, upon the quantum field so you will actually see the changes in your life. So it goes in and it goes out. It's a really amazing way to actually consciously look at it so that you're not having your life by accident or by default. And so, uh, like I said, we're going to be looking at many different rituals, many different tools that you can use, put in that toolbox that you have, or you can in, um, modify them for yourself, which is a lot of what I do. Anyway, so it is going to be on December 15th and 16th. It's a weekend workshop held online and live. And you can, you don't have to actually be there at the literal live presentation of it because you'll have access to watch the replay. And then you'll also have access to question and answer in our private study group. So 
go check it out. The uh, link is in the notes, uh, the show notes here. And uh, Kurt is also, hello, producer Kurt, is also posting it up if you're watching us live. But I'll tell you, <laughs> he's like trying to, oh, oops, she said hi to me. She yeah. said hi to me. There. I got to get my mic ready. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I'll go ahead and say it for the, the sake of those who are listening on the podcast. It's learn.lightworkerslab.com slash advanced hyphen divination hyphen magic. We're going to be talking about divination tools. Also, if you are local to Los Angeles, I am teaching locally in person, and I'm teaching a, a development class, mediumship and psychic skills development class. It is on um, December 9th. That is the first one or the last one, I would say, for this year. It's going to be in Burbank. So go check that out. You can find that on my website, trishacarcharm.com. And if you just go to Healing Arts Academy, you'll be able to see a calendar where there's just everything that I'm doing at all times and an easy way for you to sign up for that. But that is also um, trishacarcharm.com slash mediumship hyphen Burbank. That's that's actually the link to it. So I would love it. There's the spaces are limited, and if you can't make it to this one, I'll be doing it about twice per month, starting in 2019, starting in January. All right, I think that is it. On no, one more thing I want to share with you, and that is that I am teaching the master series Archangels and Universal Laws. I'm teaching this master series directly into my Patreon community, and you could still join. We had an amazing. We're still in a monthly cycle learning about Archangel Michael and the Law of One, and wow. Some really crazy, powerful stuff has been shifting for me. And it is still available to you if you want to go to my Patreon community, patreon.com slash Trisha Carr. All right, that's the end of the announcements. And welcome. I want to talk to you guys about a couple of things. I entitled this The Voice of the Soul and the Path of Light. How can we clearly hear your soul's voice? How can you clearly hear the voice of your soul? And what is the voice of your soul? The soul's voice is actually that which is calling you forward. It is the governor. It is the guide and the compass to show your way to the path of light, to keep you connected to the path of light. And so what I mean by the path of light, this is something that I have been using lately. These, these words are signposts that have been helping me to understand. I was given it by spirit as I was studying for a meditation about connecting with that soul essence. You see, the light of your soul, the energy of your soul, is the same essence of that of source energy. And the connection between your soul and source energy is a, is light as well. So if you could imagine it almost like a tether, that is the path of light. And we all are on, we can't actually be off of our path of light in the higher perspective, because all is one. So even if you ebb away from your path of light, and how would you do that? You might do that when you are feeling frustrated, angry, or some kind of negative experience where you aren't feeling the hope and the connection and the eternal nature. And so it's perfectly natural, right? You could feel that, feel that in a moment. I might feel that in a second. I might get real mad at Kurt and be like, dang, I'm so mad at you. I'd be off my path of light when I say that. I would never, I would never. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I mean by the path of light. And another way to look at this is if you've listened to me before, you may have heard me talk about the seed information and what I'm referring to here as the seed information is, is, again, another way to talk about the energy of the soul or the light of the soul. You see, seeds 
like this, let's talk about maybe an acorn. An acorn is a seed that will grow an oak tree. It's also, obviously, it falls off a tree and then back into the ground. And inside that seed is energy that will, is basically information that will collapse into itself, bust through that shell, and then eventually grow a tree. So that seed information, it's just energy. And that energy, as it begins to understand or enhance itself, if you, as you may say, or uh, become more aware, deepen its um, intensity of its own frequency, then it becomes something that is formed. It becomes a sprout. And that sprout, even though it's tender, is so strong that it will bust open that seed. So we, this information or this inside the seed is the same kind of information that we have of our soul. Jesus actually said that all you need is the faith of a mustard seed, and you can manifest anything. I'm paraphrasing. It's not exactly how it goes, but it's <laughs> that's, what, that's what the context is. And so the faith of a mustard seed, faith is that awareness of the path of light. And I like to use the seed metaphor because the seed, the information, the tree or the flower or the plant, it is going up through the soil and it is being called and is being beckoned forth by the sun. And so it's actually pursuing literal light. And that's what we are doing as well. So that's the path of light. And the voice of the soul, the voice of the soul is that which is always tuning you, asking you to understand it more, to be able to place your awareness on it more deeply so that it can become form in the same manner that the sprout inside a seed is formed. And so how can we clearly hear the voice of the soul in every day and every moment? This is something that came up for me because I was going through a period where I was feeling extreme anxiety, powerful anxiety, for no real reason. I mean, I could find reasons. My, my lower mind, my ego mind could find reasons. But in truth, there was, there was no reason, you know? And so it became so difficult that the questions had to be asked. I had to clear space. I had to take time, yes, but it's more about awareness. I had to be willing to see what was underneath the anxiety in order to become healthy, honestly. I mean, it was really difficult. And so we all go through periods like this. And what that is actually, in the same manner as physical illness, it isn't actually that your vibration is low. I mean, that may be the uh, net worth that you think you're experiencing or that it, it, it seems to be the experience, but it is actually that you are releasing. This is what you could do when negative emotions come up. You want to ask them, hold space for them and ask them what they are there to give you because they're messengers. But you can also realize that you could pivot and see this as an opportunity. What you're actually doing is releasing. And that happens with the physical body too. The physical body, when we have injury or illness, it's actually a state of us moving forward into a new plane. Your body is off-gassing that which is no longer serving your path of light. Not in a swift manner, at least. And so I want to share with you an excerpt to be able to understand the voice of the soul, and the what is not the voice of the soul. <laughs> that other voice, or, or the block, or whatever it is you may think that it is. That the two pieces of it, and I'm, I'm going to borrow, I'm going to quote from a book that, a book that is actually quoting um, a Native American folktale. 
And this book is actually called uh, Sacred Powers, The Five Secrets of, of Awakening Transformation by David G. David G. is actually going to be on my show the next episode. And so I thought it was only fitting because, again, as I'm reading David G.'s book, it's bringing forward a lesson that's aligning with everything else that my soul has been calling for me to understand. And so this is a Native American folktale, and, and as it's written in Sacred Powers, a Cherokee elder is sitting around a bonfire with his grandchild, teaching him the essentials of life. The Cherokee chief says, There is a battle going on inside me, he says to the child. It is a constant fight, and it is between two wolves. One wolf is filled with anger, envy, jealousy, fear, regret, shame, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other wolf is filled with humility, gratitude, acceptance, patience, joy, peace, love, hope, kindness, empathy, generosity, truth, and compassion. He leans in close to his grandchild and whispers, The same fight is going on inside you, my sweet boy, and inside every other person, too. The child grows silent, thinking about the profound nature of this lesson, and then asks, So, grandfather... Which wolf will win? The old Cherokee smiles with a knowing look and replies, The one you feed. And so the wolf that you feed. We have the wolf of the soul. And we have that other guy. <laughs> Feeding the wolf of the soul <clears throat> is listening to the voice of the soul. So I know when I am being asked to lean in a little bit more closely to listen to the voice of my soul when I have a contraction in my emotions, in my body even. You know, I feel tense. That's one way. My body will experience that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Someone says something and I feel, I pull my energy in. I feel judgment. Maybe I feel blame. Sometimes you may feel shame or guilt, anything. It could be against yourself. It could be against another. It could be against an event or a system or things that are happening in the world or what's fair if you feel disenfranchisement. Anytime I feel blame or anytime I feel judgment, this is when I've stopped listening to the voice of the soul. Rather, you could say the voice of the soul is getting smaller because I've started to pay a little bit more attention to that other wolf. It's really easy to start to listen to the voice of the soul, but sometimes it seems like it's not, right? It really does. But when we do pay attention and we are enhancing the feeling of judgment, feeding that other wolf, it's because we've stopped doing the work of the inner being. You see, it's your frequency that creates everything in your experience. Just like the seeds information, your frequency, your feeling state is creating everything. And so understanding that or living in that moment by moment or even in one single moment is actually taking responsibility. It is being aware of the fact that you are able to respond rather than feeling judgment or blame because when if you feel blame then you are believing that you aren't able to respond 
You see, you're actually putting the responsibility, you're putting the work outside of yourself rather than taking it inside yourself. So anytime that you're feeling that separateness, you're feeling judgment, then you've definitely stopped doing the work. Now, it's okay if we ha- we feel it for a moment. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes it can be just an initial reaction where it's... And I experienced that recently. I was observing uh, someone who's in my social network. They were... They were talking about something that they were, some new thing that they were doing, some new practice, um, be it professional or it doesn't really matter. And when I observed it right on the surface, I felt that, and I thought, whoa, why do I even care (laughs) what this person is doing and why does it make me feel like I want to judge them for it? And I, I spent some time with it because fortunately I was in this lesson rather than actually starting to fill in, you know, that list that you do. The reason that my judgment is valid is because this person is doing this and that's wrong. They're doing this and that's wrong. And this thing that they're doing is wrong. And I have this whole case and I could take it to court. You know, I, I fortunately was in this this place where I could really have some clarity to step back and say, okay, that was contraction. Why do I feel that way? I sat with it a bit and I realized that what I was observing about this person, just what kept coming up from like really loudly, that other wolf's bark was really loud this time because I was trying to like not believe it. So as I tried to listen to the voice of my soul, the other one got a little bit louder, but it got more detailed in a way that was helpful. And so that other wolf was saying, dilettante, dilettante. Do you know what that word means? Do you know what that word means, Kurt? <laughs> dilettante? No, I... I it's not. a funny word. <laughs> it sounds like another Harry Potter reference. <laughs> It does sound a little British, doesn't it? (laughs) I think it's actually a French-derived word. But what it really, what dilettante kind of means is someone who's um, not really an expert at something. They're just like kind of um, playing around with something and and, and posturing as though they're maybe sort of an expert. And so that's what I was just, (laughs) that's what I was seeing. That was my judgment or the judgment that that wolf really wanted me to have about this other person was that they were a dilettante. How dare they, um, you know, say that they're doing this new thing. They don't know about that thing. And so then I took that in and I, you know, it was really illogical because I, I didn't, it's not like I went and sat and observed this person doing this new thing. So how could I possibly even know if they were being dilettantish? And so what that was when I sat with it for a while was my own fear of being a dilettante. And the reason I have that fear, I went a little deeper. I'm like, really? I'm worried about being a dilettante? Well, the reason I have that fear is really goes even deeper than that because it has to do with me trusting myself as a leader or as an expert in whatever area. I mean, many, many times along the way. And of course, that goes back to being repressed when I was very, very young. You see how that path went all the way down? And the the wolf who wants to judge, the wolf is afraid of that happening again. The wolf is tied all the way back to the moment when I was a little kid and I was told that I, I shouldn't be speaking or something like that, you know, or I was made fun of maybe by peers as, as we all are, you know, that's just how life is. And so the wolf was the wolf's heart was really broken at that time, or the ego, you could say, and so doesn't want to experience that again. But of course, as a grown forty-four year old woman, I can realize that being made fun of by peers is not that big of a deal. I can have compassion because they're actually responding to their own pain, or I can be very clear and objective. I'm good at studying enough and working enough and gaining enough skill to be a leader and to have 
clarity about when it is time to express my leadership or my expertise, you see? And so that was my issue of my contraction. That's what. But my, the, the voice of my soul was able to help me if I leaned over to that and just knew, try to even let my logical mind say, it doesn't even make sense why I would be judging that person for what they're doing. How could I even know if they're a dilettante? Those little things actually help to edge me back a little bit more solidly footed in the voice of the soul. And so this lesson that my voice, <clears throat> my soul's voice gave me obviously helped me to clear out some things that were holding me back, those limiting beliefs. You know, I was able to give them fresh light, fresh air. And so I do know that anytime I feel judgment or blame, I've stopped doing the work. I've stopped listening for a moment to the voice of my soul. Now it can be just an edge of it. It doesn't have to be that strong. So knowing that my frequency always creates my situations, the situation that I'm in, every time I feel contraction, every time that I feel blame, then I know that I can go within and find out what's really going on. So how can you identify when your soul is calling you? Well, you actually are always being called by your soul. You're at, the voice of your soul is always resounding. You, you never are not. It's, it's this constant stream of consciousness, connectedness. Because you're being called. It isn't just, you know, I'm talking, I'm looking at it in this, this light of when things are negative, when you're feeling a negating kind of experience. But it's also when you feel bliss. I mean, when you feel bliss, joy, and excitement, and connection, obviously that is the voice of your soul resounding really brilliantly, resonating inside your being. And so that is when you're experiencing it. And then when you feel the judgment, contraction, negativity in any way, your soul is still there calling. It's just that it is on the other side of that. It's underneath and it is really asking if essentially for you to invert the voice of the ego or the voice of that other wolf. And you'll be able to connect with the truth of, the, of your soul's voice. So when you do feel contracted, you can know that your, your soul's voice is actually calling you to an opportunity of healing. So when you feel the judgment, it means there's something being asked to be healed. And that's pretty cool. You know, when you're in the state of bliss, well, you're in the state of being healed. You're being aware of that higher truth of being whole. And when you feel the other, when that other wolf is barking, it's because it's time to heal something. Now, there is also a third kind of more complex way that we might be trying to connect with the voice of the soul. And that's when we feel a superficial kind of pleasure. You see, things like addictive behaviors, they actually make things really complex because addictive behaviors, you know, whether it, it, I don't mean just something like drugs and alcohol, it could be behaviors the way that you are connecting with others, whether it's gossipy kind of talk, or it could be a kind of activism that is really in the vein of, of blame. When I mean activism, it could be social and political activism. And the habit of it is to be very angry and to be blaming and judging and casting your ruling over everyone. This person is bad and they do the wrong thing and this is not happening as it should and everybody is wrong in what they're doing. That is a kind of addictive behavior. And then, of course, there are things that we could put into our physical body and that could be food. It could be other things, other kinds of behaviors that are pulling us forward in that kind of lustful way. And I don't know what else, what other word to use besides lust, because there's also a positive side of lust when you actually are feeling 
passionate about something, you know, in a way that is a, a positive hunger. But in that situation, it's very confusing because you have a motivation to satiate this craving. And it is what's happening there is essentially your normal and natural drive to follow your passion is being hijacked by that other wolf. And so it's the same kind of energy beneath it, drive, motivation, passion, but it's being filtered through fear and separation rather than love and unity. I'll say that again. When we have a false, a superficial kind of seeking, a pleasure, when we have an addictive urge, it's the same energy underneath, which is motivation and passion, but it's being filtered through separation and fear rather than unity and love. And so it gets a little more complex, but just knowing that you can, you can judge which one, if there's judgment along that path, rather than connection, light, and love, then you can take a step back. And this makes a lot of sense when you think about it, what, that the hangover effect of engaging in an addictive experience, the hangover always seems to produce guilt. You know, Have you ever gotten into an argument? You got really angry and you kind of let yourself fly you know, and just say all kinds of things that, you know, dressing someone down. And then afterward, even if you could justify it in your mind and you said, okay, they literally did do all of those things. And so that would lead them to be of poor character if they did those things. But then afterward, you felt guilty. And literally, if you have, if you consume, if you basically get alcohol poisoning or, or over dose on alcohol, like really, really get drunk, and then you have a bad hangover the next morning, the first feeling that you feel is guilt. Like the body creates chemicals in your, in, in, that actually you respond to with the emotion of guilt. It's really interesting. So guilt is rejecting yourself. It is judging yourself. It is rejecting your responsibility in what, that is what the essence of guilt is. And so when with something that's a little more complex, like engaging in addiction, we have an even more complex response, a hangover response of guilt. So I'm going to break all of these things down. I'm, I'm pointing those things out. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm just feels like a big bummer. But I'm going <laughs> to talk about I'm going to give you some using these little signposts as clues to pointing you to the inner work of your soul light. So how can you understand the messages that are coming through from your soul? Like in that really complex situation where there's guilt or something like that. So what we can do is allow those contracted feelings, meaning like the ones that make you feel pulled away from separate, angry, frustrated, judgmental. We can look at those and we can see them as signposts, as signs. And what those signs are doing is they're actually pointing you like a map back inside. The map is inside the soul. I'm say that again. So these emotions that we may experience that want to fulfill themselves with thoughts, you know, as me dressing down all the reasons that person may be a dilettante, <laughs> then those are actually just signposts al- along the road saying, go back to the map inside your soul. And so let me give you an overview of what those signs are specifically. You see these different signs. If you can come with me on this metaphor, you're trucking down the road and you pull up social media and you see 
this person has said this thing. Blame. I feel blame. That's the signpost that starts to show up. So when we, when we feel blame, what that sign is telling us to do, where in the map of the soul, it's actually when, of course, all of these are when you've stopped for a moment to doing the inner work of going into your own ability to respond. And what is happening in the case of blame is that you're avoiding your inner voice out of fear of what it is asking you to forgive of yourself or of others. Much like myself, when I want to, when I was saying I, I was afraid my, that other wolf was saying, no, it's scary. We don't want to go back and we don't want to feel how other people rejected us because just feeling it is painful again. It's false. It's not true because you have actually perspective. It puts us in the past. It, it, our soul's light is actually arrested in that area, in that past area where we were rejected. And see that the higher, you know, being advanced, more enlightened, more evolved from this perspective, you can see that the reason that those who rejected you did that was out of their own fear. And so they were suffering as well. So, you know, the, the ego or that, that angry wolf, it, it has false beliefs. It's wrong. It's inaccurate. But it needs a loving attention in order to bring that energy back so that you can have the fullness of connection with your own soul. So, again, it's blame is when you are feeling a withholding of forgiveness, either for others or for yourself. And when it is for others, there is still, there's, it's always about you. Because you see, you, we, when we've been in a situation where people have abused us, rejected us, whatever that is, you know, they're to blame because they did what they did. But also beneath that is we actually know and our, the, our, even our lower mind knows at the very base that we are responsible for where we are. And so that we actually need to forgive ourselves for being in the situation with those people. I walked my feet with my feet over to that place where those people were doing those things. That is always deep, deep in our understanding. And so even if we need to forgive someone else, deep within that we have to forgive ourselves too. Because we need to understand that we are empowered now and that we, by being able to bring the soul's light back into itself from these situations that are arresting at these memories, or they could be even, you know, memories are actually created in the moment. So we could be coloring them with some other things that we're experiencing right now, but we can use those memories as ways to bring the, the empowerment of the soul light back in. So judgment, these are all very, these are all the same energy really, but they, they kind of have different details to them, these different signs that are pointing us back to the map of the soul. So then when we feel judgment, this is, like my example, this is when you are feeling about someone, some, there are a few different reasons, but this is one. When you're feeling about someone, something that you fear is true about yourself. That's one thing. That's literally what I was doing when I saw the other person. I thought they were being a dilettante. And of course, as I continue to unpack it, there are other things to look at as well, the other fears that are ancillary. Sometimes it is because you were harmed by someone else who was expressing that characteristic. So it could be that, you know, someone was being a snob. And so you see someone be a snob and you think, well, that's and that 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 person's a snob and, it, you know, you want to judge them for it. Now, you may not literally you it may not be that you fear that you're a snob yourself. That might not really truly be the resonance that you find. It may be that someone else rejected you and you saw that was the moment that you judged them as being a snob, you see. So it may be echoing something else. But again, that is still saying forgive them, forgive yourself. 
Sometimes it's because you have expressed that characteristic in the past, but it could be a much more subtle version of it, way, way more subtle. So you, the things that are in your field, the things that are in your awareness could be way bigger. You are judging someone for murdering someone, then, and you know, and you have that really visceral response. Now, doesn't mean that you are potentially a murderer necessarily. Oh, I don't, maybe you are. I don't know. If you are, thanks for being here because we need to help you. <laughs> but no, you know, it, it could be something many, many, many shades lighter than that. And it could also be that you are feeling a, a lack of trust in the process too. You know, if someone is able to commit crimes on someone else, that means that this world, this universe is unjust and unfair. And so you kind of need to forgive the universe in some cases. At any rate, it is a fear of something that can cease to exist if you give it the attention, if you give it awareness, because that will release it. The next sign along that road that is pointing you back to the voice of the soul. Shame. Shame is about withholding compassion from yourself. Because shame is about you and you, right? I am ashamed of myself. I feel shame. Now, there are times like I, I grew up in, um, we, we, were, we were quite broke a lot of the time. There, were, there was a lot of sickness in my family. There was anger and rage. There was also addiction. And there was a lot of abuse. And that the net result of that, and that doesn't necessarily always because there are some families who are quite wealthy who have all of that stuff too. <laughs> but a part of ours was actually um, poverty, really, some poverty. And being called, being cast as, growing up in Texas, as white trash was something that I was very aware of, really afraid of really scared of. I felt it in my mother's fears, too. I felt it in, in just the society of this, you know, this kind of subculture. You don't want to be a white trash. You don't want to be white trash, you know. It's kind of like when you're in high school, and it's like, you don't want to be a slut. Being a slut's bad. Being a slut. Oh, now, oh, now you're a prude. Oh, oops. Like, how do you find the sweet spot? I don't know. <laughs> but this was about being, you know, being po- seen as impoverished. And sometimes our family would be avoiding it with trappings that were not exactly true riches, let's just say. But be, and it, that's, that was really an effort. It was really difficult. And it was really, I was really highly aware of it. And so I felt shame. That's one example of, of a time that I felt shame. You see, this situ- that is a shame of who I am because my family's wealth or lack thereof is directly related to the quality of the person that I am. That is what the shame emotion has all wrapped up in there. So shame is about you and you. Shame is about withholding compassion for yourself. Have, obviously, anyone who would call a family a sad little seven-year-old girl white trash is withholding compassion. And so if I am resonating to, if I am adapting to a frequency of shame, then I need to go in and find a way to have compassion for myself for doing the best that I can. There's always a thread of you doing the best that you can. That's actually the path of light, too. Guilt. One of these signs that show up on the road where you're feeling guilt, and that is, covered that a little bit, but it's distrusting yourself. You've been down a path and it was the wrong one, and now I no longer trust myself. I am not a worthy captain of this vessel. Or it could be distrusting the process. 
distrust, distrusting another one's ability to save themselves. Now, what I mean by that is if you are, let's say, you, you are in a situation where you might be able to give someone a promotion at work and you know this person really, really wants it, but you can feel that it's not the right decision for that person. But you care for them, you have compassion for them, but it's not the right decision for the company and that's just your responsibility. But you feel guilt. You feel guilt by rejecting them. You may feel guilt because you're rejecting someone who really wants to date you. Who knows? When you feel that guilt as it responds, as it in response to someone else's experience, it is asking you to trust the process greater and to trust that they are capable of doing their own work. And that's actually kind of an urge to be codependent. And you may be like me, and that's my flaw. That's how I edge on that scale of either narcissism or codependency. I edge to the codependency. It's no better than narcissism, (laughs) even though we throw that around like it's the big evil. Codependence is just as bad. And so that's what guilt is asking us to do, to trust ourselves, to trust the process, and to find a way to pull in that everyone is doing the best that they can and that the universe is always working for me. So how the soul's presence is your inner compass for the path of light. I told you what the path of light is. I told you what the seed information is. And those the seed information or the light of the soul is connected to, it is the strong and sure path of light. And I want to just mention that as we are noticing these things, you know, there is... There is a difference between judging someone and recognizing that there is an imbalance in an exchange of energy. So it's not to say that you shouldn't break up with people and you shouldn't fire people and you shouldn't say this isn't working for my situation because that comes along sometimes when there is an imbalance in how much energy you are giving and how much energy is being given back to you. Situations can provide that. See, if we could just recognize that it's okay and normal and natural to recognize that there is an imbalance, then that can keep us from feeling judgment from that lower emotional sense. And it will actually free us up. It will give us clarity to move forward into a decision that will be better, resonate more with your path of light. So it's good to acknowledge it. It's good to acknowledge when there is an imbalance of energies and bringing awareness to it can can head off that judgment. So I asked Spirit if it's possible to eliminate blame and judgment by when that twinge comes up, just to remember to look inside. And when I asked that, you know, of course that's possible. It doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, even though it's possible. But I can certainly... uh, hold space for myself to believe that this possibility, or at least I can continue to enhance it. But as I started to imagine seeing those signposts along the road, I see blame and I go back into the soul and I say, that's not necessary. What is necessary is finding my soul's voice. But my ego, that other wolf, he started to say, hey, if you stop feeling blame and judgment, then you're going to become less human. My ego, that wolf, he barked and he said, if you do this, you're not going to be able to relate to others anymore because that's what everybody else does. That's how humans are. He said, when they are, and then when they come to you and they're feeling judgment and they want you to talk to them about this way that you're judging and blaming others, if you don't match their frequency, essentially, if you don't join them in that, then you're going to be rejecting them and you're not going to be having compassion for them. 
you see? And then they, the, the ego said, and you will make them feel judged, you see? But I, I, I was onto it. I was sniffing it out, that wolf. He was wrong. And I said to back to my own wolf, that ego, I said, no, 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 that is untrue. See, you, you, you showed your hand, ego. You can't tell me that feeling judgment is going to make the situation better. You see, I won't actually become less human if I can learn to see those signposts and listen to my soul's voice. I will become more human because it is more natural to be able to live that way directly from your soul light upon the path of light. If someone comes to you with these feelings of blaming and judging others, you can have compassion for them without joining them in their frequency. And actually, if you can hold compassion and an awareness that isn't blame without having, you don't even have to say the words. You don't have to say you're wrong. Don't be judgmental. No, obviously that's not it. That is being judgmental about someone being judgmental. <laughs> it's more of a, it's more of a feeling state, having compassion for them and then being able to connect it to hope and connect it to path. Like it could be that, Hey, I, I hear you. I see you. There is an imbalance. That is something you could help facilitate you holding the space of compassion for them. But if you're able to hold the place of non-judgment for them, for whomever they are in battle with, that's going to feel like a relief to them. It's going to be offered to them because that will actually connect them back to their soul, or at least it's an offer to. And it certainly isn't helping by you joining, adding fuel to their fire. That's not what they want to feel. It isn't. It isn't what any of us want to feel. And so the soul is always calling you inward. And judgment is always trying to put the work outside of yourself. That's disempowering. Isn't it much better to know that I can feel freedom and resolution within myself? If I believe that I can only feel happy when other people change, when the situations change, well, then I'm very, very small and I'm disempowered and I don't have any ability to respond. And so... It does come down to the wolf that you feed, and we have that power in every single moment. And what's really awesome about that is that not only does your outer reality start to shift when you're able to enhance the inner world, but you just feel better in the moment. You don't even need the perfect job or the perfect mate. If you can feel freedom in this moment, if you can feel clarity and empowerment. So that is our show today. I thank you so much for joining me, and I just want to remind you to go into the light of the soul, enhance that connection. It doesn't necessarily take time. It takes awareness. It takes permission. And I will see you again next week. We do have David G on. Check out my website, trishacarcharm.com, for my services and all the classes that I have there. And I will see you again next week. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. Thank you.